Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan is playing host to a big meeting of agricultural officials from all over North America. It's the Tri-National Agricultural Accord and it starts today in Saskatoon. We'll hear from Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt about plans for the next two days. The harvest is off to an early start in the Eston area, about 60 kilometers southeast of Kindersley in west-central Saskatchewan. We'll hear from a producer who's been combining Durham over the last day or two. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture will uh, join us with her weekly overview of the wheat market. And as you may have heard, some communities that are implementing preventative measures against flooding can cover up to half the cost through a rebate from the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency. Spokesman Sean Osmar will join us on the bat. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we woke up to some smoke here in the Yorkton area today, and it's still with us. Can we expect this to blow out of here anytime soon? Not immediately. Uh, the wind is very still today, uh, and the coverage of smoke is pretty great. Uh, we're uh, near the southern edge of it, but uh, most of Saskatchewan, uh, most of Manitoba, actually not quite all of Manitoba, almost all of Manitoba, uh, a good portion of western Ontario, uh, northern parts of Alberta, all under this uh, air quality alert because of the smoke coming in. Uh, it's basically settled in and it's just locked in. The sky itself is not that cloudy. The problem is it's just hard to see the cloud, the uh, sun through the smoke. And temperatures are not bad in spite of the, the smoke. You know, we've got uh, a warm air mass in place. So even though the sky isn't necessarily helping, the warmth of the atmosphere itself is helping things out. So it certainly is not a bad day, excluding the fact that it's difficult to breathe. We're getting into the uh, level of smoke where it can be hazardous for uh, for many folks, especially those more susceptible to breathing issues. Temperatures are in the mid to upper 20s this afternoon. The wind, not uh, much of a factor at all. Tonight, we're in better shape. We get couple of things happening. First of all, the wind shifts a bit. It goes into the northwest. Now, there is still some smoke in that direction, but it starts to move, and it's not necessarily blowing from this area that's smoky. It's blowing in from ahead of our next storm system, which comes in through the night, brings in some cloud cover, brings in some rain. The rain also helps to mix things out. So we'll have moving air. We'll have rain 
conditions should improve nicely for tonight. The rain not looking uh, too heavy for, for most of us. There could be a couple of heavier showers as it all moves through, uh, but mostly we're looking at fairly light rainfall from the system. 14 degrees is the low. Tomorrow, showers will continue the heaviest of those early in the day, but a few more flare up through the afternoon. And while I'm saying that most of the showers are not heavy, there is the potential that any of these mostly light showers could become locally heavy, could even get a thunderstorm out of it, too. So we'll watch for that potential tomorrow Excuse me, tomorrow afternoon, 21 is the high tomorrow. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy. The air dries out behind this frontal system. We've got not overly humid air today, but it's even less so by Wednesday night. We drop off to 8 as a result. And mostly sunny, just as the dry air cools off quickly Wednesday night, it warms up quickly on Thursday. It'll also be helped out by a wind turning into the south to southwest, high of 26. The strongest winds are tomorrow, right as that system goes by, and then they settle back down. The gusts tomorrow could be close to 50 kilometers per hour, back into the 15 to 25 range on Thursday. The warmest day is Friday. A ridge of high pressure building in from the southwest will We'll see it approaching uh, during the day tomorrow, getting us into those above normal temperatures. Friday, we peak at 30. And then on Saturday, we're still in the warmer air. We're just out of the core of the hottest. So we back down from 30 Friday to around 23 on Saturday. And likely a, a little shy of that on Sunday, too, with a little more in the way of cloud cover. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at 21 degrees. Swan River and Dauphin, 24. Brandon, Show Lake Russell, 23. Roblin, 22. Regina and Saskatoon are at 25 degrees. Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 23. Indian Head, 24. The Yorkton-Melville region has smoke, a north wind at 9 kilometers an hour, 37 percent is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 30 degrees and dropped to a low of 11 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 23 degrees. The normal low is 10 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 5.36 this morning, and it will set at 8.12 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hot spot was Swan River at 32 degrees. The cold spot was Clear Lake at plus 7 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Leader at 36 degrees. The cold spot was Mancota at plus 7 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return right after these messages. It's Welcome back to SaskAg Today. Saskatchewan is playing host to a big meeting of agricultural officials from all over North America. The Trinational Agricultural Accord is meeting in Saskatoon today and tomorrow. Provincial Agriculture Minister David Merritt says representatives from Mexico, 22 U.S. states, and several provinces from Quebec to Alberta will be here. It's obviously very important for us, uh, especially in the ag file, as both the United States and Mexico are big uh, trading partners for Saskatchewan. U.S. is still uh, number one for us, and Mexico is number four. So 
it's important for us to talk to our state uh, colleagues, uh, both from Mexico and the United States, on trade issues, trade challenges, especially with agriculture when we have such a fluid uh, mobility situation with both whether it's grains and oil seeds or livestock as well. So we just like to have discussion on some of the challenges that we may have, uh, especially with uh, with borders and things like that, but also just to build relationships and, and how we can help each other in growing the ag sector in our respective jurisdictions. Delegates will be visiting the Crop Development Centre Kernan Research Farm to learn about its ecological and grazing studies, crop breeding and production, and crop and weed management research. They will also visit the Wanaskewin Heritage Park to learn about the restoration of grasslands and the return of bison. Merritt says drought won't be discussed, calling it more of a regional issue than continent-wide as it was in 2021. Instead, trade issues, especially around the border, will be a key item. Well, obviously the biggest one is, is if we have a, uh, you know, a, a disease outbreak of some kind that impacts uh, the whole North American market in the industry. You know, avian influenza was one that obviously had an impact on the whole uh, poultry sector, but the border obviously doesn't uh, mean a thing. Uh, we have the same thing with African swine fever. We'll have a great discussion about that. Uh, if that ever has an outbreak in North America, what happens to the borders? What happens to the industry? How do you rebuild it? How do we work together to make sure, uh, you know, in Saskatchewan alone, my understanding is it's almost 10,000 uh, ISO weans cross the border uh, every week. So we really have to uh, make sure that those relationships are there. How can we mitigate that risk? And in the event that it does happen, what are, what is going to be the reaction and how do we work through that? The U.S. is Saskatchewan's number one agri-food export destination with sales valued at $6.2 billion. Mexico is Saskatchewan's fourth largest market with exports valued around $992 million. Merritt was asked if he has heard anything from the federal government on his request for an agri-recovery assessment to deal with the dry conditions here in this province. No, we haven't heard anything at, at, uh, at this point in juncture. My understanding is the federal minister is on his way here, and my understanding is, is, is hopefully if his schedule works, that he will be bringing remarks tomorrow to the Tri-National, and hopefully we'll get some time with the federal minister to have a discussion with, with them about uh, our agri-recovery uh, process and what we have done, and just see where the federal government is on it at this time. I think they're still working through our, our application process, and hopefully we'll get a better understanding tomorrow. At the end of the day, Merritt says it's important to build relationships with peers. Then I did have a very informal discussion with some some state representatives from Miss, Mississippi that are here and really are uh, wanting to learn more about uh, what's what's happening up here in in Saskatchewan, and uh, that's why we've organized some good tours and the, and the folks are on them as we speak. So we'll meet up with them. But it's really about building relationships uh, because I think we all want what's best for the ag sector, whether you're a rancher or a farmer, whatever the case may be, or in agribusiness. Uh, just uh, is there opportunity for growth and telling a story on what we do here, and likewise they want to tell the story of what they're doing there. Mexico hosted the Accord last year, and next year's meeting is scheduled to be held in the U.S. state of Virginia. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. 
Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. X94, AgriView. Research out of the University of Alberta is showing that adding silicon to soil could help in the battle against club root. The study, which is the first to explore the effects of silicon on the disease in canola, showed that mixing the element with soil reduced overall club root symptoms in susceptible plants by up to 46%. The experiments revealed that infection was slowed and the formation of galls on the plants was reduced when silicon in the form of a water-soluble salt was added to the soil. As a result, the treatment also appeared to improve the height, root length and plant responses to stresses such as drought and extreme heat, even in the presence of the club root pathogen. Silicon, currently an ingredient in some fertilizers, also has the advantage of being less costly to apply to canola crops than other alternatives such as liming. The managed money long position in canola held relatively steady during the weekend at August 8th, according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of August 8th, the net managed money long position in canola futures came in at 23,753 contracts, a move of about 1,000 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 245,931 contracts on August 8th, which was up by 1,382 from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, fund traders were holding a net long of about 63,000 contracts in soybeans, which was down by about 23,000 from the previous week. Any Alberta producers who were considering agri-stability, but only in hindsight, for the Income Stabilization Plan's 2023 program year, now have until September 29th to apply. Ottawa and the province have announced that they've reopened the jointly funded program, as wildfires and or extremely dry growing conditions have dragged on many Alberta producers' work in the months since the program's regular enrollment deadline of April 30th. Alberta Agriculture Minister R.J. Sigurdsson says farmers and ranchers were blindsided by wildfires and drought and need support options to make it through this growing season. He says allowing late participation in agri-stability will enable them to reassess their business risks and make an informed decision about signing up to protect their operations and livelihoods. Late participation in agri-stability is offered only in a program year in which a given province or territory's producers experience a significant agricultural disaster, either sector-wide or province-wide. A migrant worker who was diagnosed with cervical cancer shortly after arriving in Nova Scotia has been granted health insurance under a federal program. Kirian Burnett arrived from Jamaica in April of 2022 to work on a strawberry farm and says she was fired after her cancer diagnosis and left without medical coverage. Her lawyer, Thiago Buchert, says that after nearly eight months, Burnett has been admitted to the interim federal health program. Buchert says other provinces provide migrant workers with public health coverage, but migrants in Nova Scotia must have a one-year work permit to be eligible for care. 
Stacy Gomez with migrant advocacy group No One is Illegal in Nova Scotia says Burnett's case is a win but highlights the need for a permanent solution. The group is calling on the Nova Scotia government to provide health care coverage to all migrant workers in the province. Brazilian meat company JBS has reported a second quarter loss, citing the negative effects of an oversupplied global chicken market and tighter margins for its beef business in the U.S., where it gets most of its sales. JBS reported a net loss of $73.8 million Canadian, the second consecutive negative result in 2023. The company's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation and amortization came in line with a consensus forecast of $1.25 billion Canadian, but was down 57% on the year-ago period when the company's operating and financial performance were strong. In the quarter, JBS said its North American beef margins shrank from the same time a year ago, reflecting a reduction in the supply of livestock in the region. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Smoke and 24 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The harvest is off to an early start in the Eston area, about 60 kilometers southeast of Kindersley, in west-central Saskatchewan. Dave Hewlett started combining lentils on August 1st as the crop ripened quickly under the warm and very dry conditions. A few rare showers slowed the harvest down a bit last week, but Hewlett is combining Durham this week. Yields are about what was expected, anywhere from 50 to 60 percent of a normal crop. Not a bad kickoff down here. It's a little bit of a soft start with the showers over the past uh, week or so. Probably a little further south and west of where I am, there's more activity. We're just getting really rolling this week with uh, dry conditions, warm weather. I think we'll see some serious uh, activity in our area. He says his plan to begin desiccating lentils in early August got moved up. I wish we ended up moving it into July. We thrashed our first field of lentils on August 1st, so my summer got uh, greatly abbreviated in a hurry. Hewlett says his early yields have been better than expected. So far we've done some lentils and uh, some germ, and we're seeing somewhere in that 50 to 60 percent of an average yield, so kind of what we were expecting, maybe even a hair better than what it looked like at first glance. So. He says there's still some pests to contend with. There's definitely grasshoppers. The lentils we've done so far were not very, were not too bad for uh, contamination of grasshoppers. We're in some germ with it's pretty clean right at the moment. I see we have some other fields I was scouting this morning that I definitely think we're going to see some uh, grasshoppers in the sample, possibly even close to a grading issue. As for Hewlett's harvest right now, We'll be on Durham here at our farm for the next couple days. Uh, we got some lentils for a little later this week again, and uh, but the most this week will be spent on Durham. He says the quality of the crop has been pretty good. Uh, the stuff we've thrashed so far has good color, um, nice and up-looking kernels. We're much on the light side again due to the drought and heat, and it's not going to be a large grading issue, but it's definitely going to be a, a factor in grading. Hewlett lists the crops he seeded this year. On our farm, we've got durum, canary seed, lentils, red and green, and also canola. 
our canola is uh, a little later, so it's definitely suffering from the warm stretch we had here a while ago. Um, these last few cooler days definitely helped it finishing out, trying to fill. So He says they've had a bit of rain over the past few weeks. We're about uh, half an inch in our yard in the last eight or ten days when the last few sessions of showers have uh, happened, and that puts us up into that 3.6, 3.7 inches for the year. But Hewlett says the rain has been soaking right into the ground. Yeah, the rain's dry in hours. and I mean, I'm in heavy gumbo soil that normally rain means you're off limits for days, and uh, you can have a small shower here now, and it's gone faster than you can get back out there. He says a tenth or two now wouldn't slow him down much. Uh, nope, it'll just extend the uh, maintenance check over in the yard for another few minutes and probably get us back in the field midday instead of uh, mid-morning. Hewlett says overall his harvest has been progressing well. Yeah, we've had a, a decent start. Like I said, a bit of a soft start with a couple of showers and we're at the stage where stuff's just ready. It's not uh, waiting on us. We're kind of waiting for it at the same time. And uh, like I say, this week's going to be a little more actional if we get a couple thousand acres thrashed here in the next couple of days. And, but overall, we're, we're happy with our progress. We're happy with what we're seeing for a sample. We're disappointed in the yield, of course. Not disappointed based on what we've seen out there, but disappointed on, on comparison to average. And he says so far there's been no surprises. Exactly, yep. Surprises are great as long as it's your birthday. Hewlett made his comments yesterday afternoon as he combined some Durham about 12 miles southwest of Eston. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. Live Cattle Futures for October closed at 179.97 today, down 70. December Live Cattle closed at 184.17, down 80. September feeder cattle closed at 249.77, down 35. October feeder cattle closed at 251.55, down 30. October lean hogs closed at 78.20, down 95. December lean hogs closed at 71.25, down 140. And that's the livestock market conditions. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture has provided her weekly overview of the wheat market. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. There was more noise on the cancelled grain corridor in the Black Sea. According to the Ukrainian Navy, temporary corridors were announced for merchant ships going to and from Ukrainian ports. The specified routes will primarily be used for the departure of civilian vessels from the ports of Chornomorsk, Odessa and Yushni. As we understand, no grain vessels are yet moving to the Ukrainian ports at this time, but there are vessels anchored nearby ready to move. In terms of sales, other than a relatively small 235,000 ton sale of Russian wheat to Egypt on a tender, there were no significant commercial sales last week. We had the USDA Worcester report last Friday, and this was viewed as negative to the markets by funds, and basically all relevant futures markets fell last Friday following the report. In terms of cash trades, there are still few significant purchases, and again, other than the Russian sale to Egypt on a tender, there were no really big commercial sales last week. So now we have some comments on the wheat markets by major wheat origin, starting with Canada per usual. 
The provincial agencies gave no updates on crop conditions, but the USDA in the August WASDE report lowered Canadian all-wheat production estimates by 2 million tons to 33 million tons due to, quote, persistent dry conditions across the prairies, unquote. Spring wheat prospects are tempered, are more tempered than those for wheat in general, and the market is watching North America closely. According to our calculations, assigning different yields by province, we currently calculate Canadian spring wheat, a Canadian spring wheat crop of about 24 million tons, compared to 25.7 million last year, which would be a 7% drop. But keep in mind that acres went up this year by about 8% over the previous year. Last year, Canada exported 19.7 million tons of wheat, which was very good. But given a rough availability of 28 million tons and a domestic usage of 8.5 million, we would be hard-pressed to export quite as much in the new crop year. Still, we should be able to market up to 18 million tons of wheat, excluding Durham, which would leave a small 1.5 million ton ending stocks. The biggest problem for the fall market is that Russia has been steadily and quietly exporting record volumes, or I should say been selling export vol uh, record volumes. For example, India and Russia are still working on a 9 million ton government-to-government -government deal, and there are rumors that Morocco bought large supplies of Russian wheat as well. So we will have to be patient with this market to work through some of the cheaper supplies into the new year. Moving to Durham. Again, there were no updates on crop conditions by government agencies. We did see some early harvest results in south-central Saskatchewan with 30 and 40 bushel per acre yields compared to 60 um, bushel per acre last year in those areas. We were told of much worse yields further west at 5 to 20 bushel per acre. But overall yields and overall quality remain to be determined. Good quality would be helpful for marketing in order to allow overseas buyers to use Canadian Durham for blending to upgrade their own crops. So assuming different yields by province, we currently calculate a Canadian Durham crop of 4.2 million tons. But there are various estimates ranging from 3.7 to 4.5 million tons. And we also calculate a 1.5 million ton US Durham crop. If our numbers are correct, the combined U.S.-Canadian numbers would be about 20% smaller than last year's North American crop, and the second smallest North American crop over the past six years, with the 21 crop the smallest. Nevertheless, the 23 crop still looks to be about 1.7 million tons bigger than the 2021 Durham crop. For context, the U.S. Durham crop seems to be better than the Canadian crop, and the North Dakota, North Dakota state rated uh, their Durham still in 58% good to excellent condition and 33% fair condition. The USDA last week called their Durham crop um, 1.56 million tons, which is up 6% from the previous forecast, but down about 10% from the 2022 crop. The US Durham yield is forecast at 35.5%. Um, bushel per acre average. That would be down two and a half bushel from the previous forecast and five bushel from a year ago. A record yield is called for California, a stunning 140, 114 bushel per acre, 
while yields in the much more important states of Montana and North Dakota are at 28 and 35 bushel per acre respectively. Last crop year, we exported a very good 5.1 million tons of durum that was to all destinations, but given our crop estimate above, this would not be possible this year, and some rationing will have to occur. We would think that the Canadian export capacity will likely be maxed at 3.3 to 3.5 million tons this year. Regarding the markets, it's perhaps worthwhile noting that there have been reports of sizable Durham sales to Italy out of Turkey. That makes some sense because Turkey had very good yields this year and they can also replenish their own needs out of Eastern Europe, out of Russia and Kazakhstan as well. But bids in Canada have been creeping up and we would not yet, we would not yet sell until we know more about production volumes and quality. And we have seen prices as high as 15.75 a bushel for good quality. Durham values in Italy are also reflecting the anticipated tightness of quality Durham and have been moving up by about 80 euros per ton since early July. Moving on to the US, well, we mentioned the USDA was the report on Friday lowered global production by 3.3 million tons. They also lowered global consumption by 3.4 million tonnes. We should mention this is still 2.7 million tonnes higher than production. Global exports were lowered by 1% from July to 209.4 million tonnes. And global ending stocks, less China, were up 1.3 million tonnes to 103.7. The USDA report also took US wheat higher, with ending stocks raised slightly while reducing Canadian production by 2 million tons to 33 million tons, as mentioned earlier. The USDA made no changes in their report to either Argentine or Australian wheat. In Argentina, after a slow seeding campaign due to dry conditions, the wheat crop is now completely planted on 6 million hectare versus 6.1 million hectare last season. 71% of the crop is rated as having adequate moisture and 21% of the crop is rated excellent versus 19% last season. Pertaining to India, the government there is following through with further measures to curb wheat prices and offered 5 million tons of wheat and 2.5 million tons of rice to bulk consumers. There are also reports that India would reduce um, their import duties from 40 to 15% or perhaps even eliminate them entirely uh, to enter southern ports to stimulate imports in an effort to ease local prices ahead of the festival season. We'll have to follow up on that. In the EU, the USA lowered production by 3 million tons, but this was offset by a 2 million ton reduction in feeding and by production increases in the Ukraine and Kazakhstan. Still, according to Agermer, in France, rain delays to the end of the soft wheat harvest in France may affect milling quality, although the crop gathered before the wet spell was generally showing satisfactory results. Pertaining to the Black Sea, Russian wheat prices have hit what we call an unofficial floor price of $250 a ton, and the Russian offers uh, to the recent Egyptian tender uh, were coming in higher. As mentioned, U Ukraine is registering ships willing to pass through the Black Sea 
under the protection of the Ukrainian armed forces. The corridors are an attempt to resume shipment flows after the corridor initiative brokered between Russia, Turkey and the UN lapsed in July. Russia has not guaranteed safe passage and has publicly announced they will treat vessels in the Black Sea as potentially carrying military supplies. So how would we summarize the week? Well, Russian and Black Sea wheat sales levels remain below those from North America. The demand side seems to be somewhat pressured by financial and by harvest pressure, especially in Europe. And we know that Minneapolis spring wheat remains very high compared to Chicago futures. However, if you don't have cash flow needs, we would put grains into storage and wait for higher prices in the new year. You will have to be patient with this market to work some of the cheaper valued supplies into the coming year. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Please stay tuned. The Commodities Update is coming up next. We're here with Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. November canola closed at 7.7740, up $6.60. January canola closed at 7.8350, up $7.10. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 7.86 and a half, down 19 cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 7.37 and a half, down 13 cents. September Chicago wheat closed at 5.98 and a half, down 17 and a half cents. September corn closed at 4.64 per bushel, down 11 and three quarters of a cent. September soybeans closed at 13.23 and a quarter, down 29 and three quarters of a cent. September oats closed at 4.29 and a half, up two and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Yep. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Communities that are implementing preventative measures against flooding can cover up to half the cost through a rebate from the Saskatchewan Water Security Agency. The 50-50 rebate through the Flood Damage Reduction Program is for cities, towns, villages and hamlets at risk of flood damage. Water Security Agency spokesman Sean Osmar says this type of program is offered annually. Yeah, absolutely. So every year we offer uh, this program earlier in the spring, uh, you know, when the melt begins and we see that runoff starting to flow, we have what's called the emergency flood damage reduction program. And that's for, you know, those those emerging situations where a community uh, or, you know, producer or, or you know, somewhere needs to have some of that flood reduction and that flood mitigation protection. Uh, in August is when we transition the program and to the flood damage reduction program, and that's what we've announced today. Uh, and that just helps, you know, communities plan for, like you said, some of those long-term mitigation uh, efforts that they may need in the event of a possible flooding, uh, you know, that may occur. And, and like you said, yeah, we, we've had some drought conditions this year, but uh, next year could be very much different. And uh, we want to make sure these communities have the support they need uh, to, put, uh, to put protections in place. The agency says any funds that have not been spent in the spring under the Emergency Flood Damage Reduction Program transitions to the FDRP now. 
Up to $100,000 can be covered through the rebate, which Osmar says can really take some financial burdens off of a town. He lists projects that are acceptable. Uh, and it covers those those long-term permanent um, measures that, uh, that a community may want to take. So things like... Uh, you know, it includes some of the reports and some of the hydrological and, and hydraulic, uh, you know, mapping and things like that. Uh, floodplain maps are in there. It also includes, you know, construction of permanent dikes, berms, culverts, any kind of structure like that. Um, improvements to channel works that a, that a municipality may have. So it is pretty wide ranging. Uh, it covers a, a number of things. Osmar says the flood damage reduction program usually has strong uptake but admits it varies from year to year. But he says the program is very valuable. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen some numbers that, that uh, indicate, you know, for every dollar invested in flood mitigation is about $20 back uh, that, that could have been, you know, causing damages and things like that. So it is a good investment. Uh, it's, a, it's a great investment for communities to make, and we want to make sure we're there helping them, uh, you know, with those projects that they've identified and that they, that they think they need moving forward to help protect against any possible flooding in the future. Applications are being accepted until October 1st, and projects need to be complete by March 31st of next year. A list of eligible costs and how to apply is online at wsask.ca slash water. And that's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny but smoky, a light north wind and a high of 27. For tonight, clouding over with a 70% chance of late rain. Winds northwest at 20 to 35 and a low of 14. For tomorrow, a 50% chance of showers during the day, then partly cloudy in the evening. Winds northwest at 20 to 40 and gusting higher, a high of 21, an overnight low of 8. For Thursday, mainly sunny. Winds south-southwest at 15 to 25, a high of 26. For Friday, sunny skies, a high of 30, and Saturday, partly sunny, a high of 23. In the Paw, it's 21 degrees, Swan River and Dauphin 24, Brandon, Show Lake Russell 23, Roblin 22. Regina and Saskatoon are at 25 degrees, Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington 23, Indian Head 24. The Yorkton-Melville region has smoke, a north wind at 9 kilometers an hour. 37% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Sask Ag Today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94. 
Sask Ag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.